This week on the Vergecast, Alex Kranz and Virginia reporter Alex Heath join the show. We talk about Facebook's new smart glasses, preview the Apple event next week, and get into what Amazon, Google, Twitter, and more are doing. That's coming up on the Vergecast now. Support for the podcast comes from Canva. Presenting to a group of your colleagues can be nerve-wracking, so why not ease some of that anxiety with Canva? Thanks to their AI, you can start with a simple prompt and watch Canva go to work. Choose your favorite style, customize the content, and that's it. You're done. It's a serious time saver. Whatever you do for work, Canva presentations can give you a head start on your deck. You generate sales presentations, marketing decks, HR onboarding plans, you name it. Finish your deck faster. Generate slides in seconds with Canva presentations at canva.com, designed for work. Your body is unique. So why would you settle for a weight loss plan that's one size fits all? Noom is the weight management program that takes into account your biology to build a custom plan just for you. Stay focused on what's important to you with Noom's psychology and biology-based approach. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com and check out Noom's first ever cookbook, The Noom Kitchen, for 100 healthy and delicious recipes to promote better living. Available to buy now wherever books are sold. Hello and welcome to the Rochest, the flagship podcast, the world's largest triceratops skeleton. It's true. The world's largest triceratops skeleton is up for sale. Oh, I see. It's 1.2 million euros. And I'm telling you, it is a better investment than any NFT that you can think of. 100%. I'm Neil. I'm your friend. That's Dieter Bone. I'm the ringtone in your email app. Very good. We got two Alexes today. Alex Kranz is here. I'm the good Alex. <laughs> Throwing down. Sorry. <laughs> All right. And the new Verge senior reporter, Alex Heath, is here. Welcome, Alex Heath. I'm the other Alex. <laughs> you could have said better. You could have said evil. <laughs> no, you got to leave it ambiguous. You got a good Alex and the other one. <laughs> we'll find out. We have a lot to talk about today. There, Alex Heath has a headline, Facebook on your face. We just got to talk about what that means. There's an Apple event next week we should preview. There's Amazon started making TV. All kinds of stuff going on. As always, I want to start with... COVID, just one little bit. Zoe and I talked about this on Decoder this week. Remember June when we all thought we were going back to offices and it was over and the vaxes were rolling out? Yeah. All the companies were making their go back to the office plans. Mm -hmm. I went to a bar. (laughs) It's great. Yeah. I thought about going to a bar. I'm in the woods. I don't have a choice. But in my brain, I was in the bar. Anyway, that's over. Delta is here. It's still spiking. Microsoft has given up its return to office plan. Apple has given up its return to office plan. Work from home is here for a while to stay. And we're constantly talking about second order COVID effects. The longer we stick with work from home, I think the more, A, our digital tools like Slack and whatnot are going to get more important and more central to how knowledge workers do work. But second of all, we're going to see these companies radically rethink where their workforces are and how they're distributed. So that's the the COVID bit today is Microsoft's giving up, Google's giving up. Apple's giving it up. Lots of companies are, are giving it up. And I, my prediction is the longer we stick with work from home, the more it becomes the default, which I think is fascinating. We actually, um, Logitech had released a little dock today, like a speakerphone work from home dock. It's very expensive. Yeah, but it's sick. It's so cool. It's like $300, but it's like, you know, it's a USB-C dock. It puts out enough power to run your laptop. It's got two monitor outputs at 4K 120, I think. Mm-hmm which is like a big deal. I've got like a little Dell and speakerphone with a hardware mute button. Yeah. Like the market is starting to recognize like work from home is here and we should make products for it that are dedicated. Anyway, that's the update. As always, 
it's the most important thing that's going on. It's it's still radically reshaping uh, the world. If you can get vaccinated, please just go do it so it can be over. We've got a party coming up in October. That's what my focus is on. So get vaccinated and come to the party is what I'm saying. All right. Let's talk about Facebook. Mr. Heath. It's on your face. On your face. I had to do it. I mean, it's a good headline. Like a, a good, a strong, a strong headline. But Facebook released some glasses this week in partnership with Ray-Ban. They look like Ray-Ban Wayfarers. There's another design that's not quite Wayfarers, but I think most people are focused on the classic Wayfarer design. I have read so much overthinking of these glasses, but let's start with what they are. What are these glasses? Sure. So Facebook CEO Mark Zuckerberg previewed these about a year ago, actually, on the dot, uh, saying that these were going to be their first stab at smart glasses, Uh, not AR glasses. They don't have displays in them. They're essentially snap spectacles uh, that look like Ray-Bans. They have two cameras that can record video, photos, and another gimmick, I would say. It kind of feels like a gimmick. I'm actually curious if people will use it. There's Bluetooth audio in the frames where it syncs from your phone and you can take calls, play podcasts, even play music and hear them without headphones in. Uh, I I will say one disclosure. (laughs) My wife works for Oculus, a vision of Facebook. I have no idea if she has any involvement with this project whatsoever. Probably not. I'm guessing not. Uh, But the fact that I don't know is a a useful piece of information for everybody here, I think. I am hyped for, I bought these. I bought these despite the Facebook thing. I don't, (laughs) I wish that they had nothing to do with Facebook. I love that like Luxottica, who owns Ray-Ban, like one monopolist chose another monopolist to partner with to release these, like just completely unnecessarily. But I bought them for the headphone thing specifically because I am an open ear headphone enthusiast and I wanted to see how they worked. Well, I can tell you they're loud. The sound is fairly full for what it is. Mm -hmm. It's not spatial in any sense. So um, you can definitely overhear something. So if you're taking like a (laughs) a private call walking down the street uh, and you're worried about people hearing you, you're not going to want to use that. Um, Got it. But like the Luxottica exec I interviewed for our story today gave an example of like he was in his car listening to Donda. He's wearing the glasses. He gets out of his car. Donda switches to his frames. Kanye following you everywhere. It's kind of dystopian. <laughs> Every time I hear one of those examples, because we hear them all the time, like you're listening to music in your car and you get out and it seamlessly switches to Alexa in your house. It's like, I rarely want that. To happen. Yeah. Right. Why does it have two cameras? That is a good question that I should have probably asked more about. They're dual five megapixel cameras. They're not that fancy. They are doing a bit of stitching, I think, to get you kind of a wider field of view. But, you know, Spectacles have two cameras because they're doing some 3D effects in post-production, giving you kind of more of an AR type experience. And these Ray-Bans don't have that, at least in this initial version. I think there's probably some software updates they could do that could add some of that. But I thought it was actually interesting that there were no AR effects lenses to speak of shown to me as something I should try with these. And the the companion app for these, which is called the Facebook View app, is a very bare bones camera roll app with very basic photo editing um, and no lenses or anything like that, which are snaps AR effects. So this really is just more of a kind of hands-free GoPro type situation on your face. You say that like First of all, that makes sense. But the fact that you just like calmly said that as though that makes sense. <laughs> it's a hands-free GoPro for your face. Like that to me is where the overthinking comes from, right? It doesn't have a display. It, it's not doing any AR on the lenses of the glasses. It doesn't appear to have a lot of computing in it, right? It's just taking pictures and sending them to your phone or playing music from your phone on little speakers in your ear. 
it doesn't appear like there's like some huge battery breakthrough. It doesn't need a lot of battery power. Like all of the little bits and bobs of AR headset development that you would need for the the AR glasses that we're all like this isn't any of that from what I can tell. No. And you know, <laughs> the way this was described to me is it's more of like a stepping stone product. I think Facebook wants to just see how people receive these. Um, Facebook's branding, by the way, is nowhere to be found on the glasses themselves. They're decidedly Ray-Bans with Ray-Bans logo in like three different places. And I think the most interesting part of this whole thing that I found out while doing the story is that this was Ray-Bans idea. They actually approached Facebook about this a little over two years ago. And these glasses were developed over about two years during COVID. So it gives you a sense of kind of why they're so bare bones, I think. This is a multi-year partnership. They're going to be doing multiple generations of these. Facebook has AR display glasses internally that they're prototyping. They're not ready for the Ray-Ban treatment, but they will be <laughs> in pick your date. <laughs> and so, yeah, I think these are a dry run. It's just to kind of see, you know, are people comfortable with these? They're going to be in Ray-Ban stores. You know, Luxottica owns Lens Crafters. They own Sunglasses Hut. There's going to be a massive retail footprint for these things. You're just going to see them when you go in to get normal sunglasses or glasses. And they take prescription lenses. They take transitions. They work with your insurance. So it's definitely the most accessible pair of smart glasses that have hit the market so far. Were they inspired by, because you said they started working on this about two years ago. So were they were inspired by the Bose Smart glasses or spectacles or spectacles. Like, did they see those two or like now smash them together? Yeah. Spectacles. Uh, he who shall not be named. They, <laughs> they wouldn't talk about spectacles directly. They named them Ray-Ban stories, right? <laughs> they named them after a product that Facebook copied from Snapchat. Right. So this is one of the last things I think Snap has actually done that Facebook hasn't copied until now. Um, so congrats, Evan Spiegel, head of product for Facebook. But what I was told happened is that, so in 2017, it was when Mark Zuckerberg stood in front of developers and for the first time and said, we want to make AR glasses. And he showed a graphic behind him that looked kind of like Ray-Bans. And so the chief wearable officer of uh, Luxottica, Ray-Ban, is watching this He's and like, going, huh. He's talking to me. Yeah. Um, and this guy has a wonder. His name's Rocco. I've got something to do. But put an Italian <laughs> accent on it. Um, and he's watching this. And he literally cold emails Mark Zuckerberg, like finds his yes. email online, cold emails him and say, hey, you know, we're really interested in smart glasses. You know, Luxottica had talked to Google back in the day with glass. They were going to do a Ray-Ban version of glass that never happened. Um, he's like, you know, we really think smart glasses are going to be a big part of our business in the future. We should collaborate on this. We need the tech. You need the design. And Mark was into it. He flew to Milan. He met with the founder of Luxottica, a guy named Leonardo. Um, and that kicked it off. And then a year and a half to two years later, here we have it now. I'm really impressed Mark Zuckerberg had Luxottica whitelisted in like his email rules. So he got that email. <laughs> like, great job. No, he any, anybody that owns a monopoly, he'll, he'll oh, take yeah, email yeah, yeah. from. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. He's like whitelist. So, yeah. I just, I'm... I'm stuck on chief wearable officer for a glasses. By definition, everything they make is a wearable. <laughs> this is true. Like just carving out that lane for himself must have been very difficult. Yeah, I mean, it is kind of interesting. You've got like a social networking monopoly and in the eyewear monopoly. You know, Luxottica owns like over 80% of the market. They own basically every glasses brand you can think of. And now they're in a multi-year kind of high stakes, very collaborative relationship. And it is actually like Ray-Ban's doing the design. 
And Facebook is acting almost like an OEM. They're the tech supplier for these glasses. So Luxottica is paying Facebook as the supplier. So this isn't going to show up wow. in like Facebook's next earnings report as like other revenue. They're getting they're they're basically a service provider. So they're HTC. Yeah. <laughs> Only some people will maybe get that, but actually, probably a lot of people on the show will get that. Who listen to the well, show? Well, no, I'm I'm curious. Like when you say they're a provider, are who's doing the bring up of the hardware? Is it Facebook's hardware and camera team? Does Luxottica slash Ray Ban have a team that's making the hardware, and it's Facebook's software? And- they're just doing APIs. My understanding is the look and feel of the glasses is all Ray-Ban Luxottica. The cameras, the microphones, the actual tech is being done by Facebook. And the retail and the go-to-market and the sales are all done through Ray-Ban. So it is a Ray-Ban product. I mean, the headline I had on the site was Facebook on your face because I like that. But um, it's a little actually belying what's actually happening here. Like Facebook's actually kind of playing second fiddle in this relationship. Okay. So you've got the Ray-Ban glasses. You buy them. You're put them on your face, you go to use them. What's the flow? You just tap It's If you've used spectacles or seen those, I think they came out like a long time ago now. Um, it's a similar thing. You just press the top of the glasses and you can record or take video. There's a wake word. Hey, Facebook, take a photo and video, which is like, you know, you're not probably going to get a second date if you say that. Um, <laughs> But that exists. If you have that on where it's listening for the wake word, it'll drain the battery a lot faster. So I didn't really use it. Um, and there's like a little shutter noise that happens when you do that. And then there's that tiny little white indicator light that I and actually a lot of the privacy experts Facebook consulted on, on for this device uh, think is not that prominent and should be more prominent because the original spectacles light, if you all remember, it was a ring yeah. that like moved and it was super bright. It was unmistakable. You could be standing across the street and you could see, Oh, that those are smart glasses. These really, you can't tell. I mean, I was standing in broad sunlight and our photographer, when we were shooting for this story was like, you know, six to eight feet away. She's like, I can't even see that light and you could easily sharpie it over or whatever. So going to be curious to see how that works in the real world. Yeah, Katie, not a policy BuzzFeed taped over it and then asked Facebook about that. And I believe Facebook said that taping over it was a violation of the terms of service. Incredible. <laughs> it's, it's like, congrats to her for even thinking to ask. And then what a horrible answer. She's going to get kicked off the Facebook. What's the name of the app that she's allowed to use for it? The View app. It's just view, Facebook view, just Facebook view. And like, I can't overstate how basic this app is. It, it like, there's no native uploading to Facebook services. It's just like share sheet extension, any app on your phone, send it, no watermark, nothing. So th- this thing just collects JPEGs over Bluetooth. Video and JPEGs, correct. And you can like fave them and edit them and then send them wherever you want. And I think over time, they'll bake the apps in more. I think they actually did that for speed speed and getting it out the door because collaborating within Facebook is kind of, you know, uh, complicated still. Uh, so yeah, that's uh, that's the situation. And they cost $2.99. They start at $2.99. So they're actually fairly affordable and they, they work with insurance. Two ninety nine is not that affordable. Like, the, like I think regular Ray Bans are about two hundred. So you're just basically paying. You're paying a lot for the brand, in, is what I'm sort of. Oh, for sure. To. The yeah, margin yeah. on these regular, even regular Ray Bans, the margin is insane. Yeah. Um, how good are these? How good is this one hundred dollar camera that's inserted into a two hundred dollar <laughs> pair of Ray Bans? They're fine. I mean, that's the thing. Like, we have such super powerful, amazing cameras in our phones. 
And, you know, I could only see this working for hands-free situations like sports or, you know, Zuck was on Facebook posting like wave foiling with them on, which they are not water resistant. So if he <laughs> fell in the water, that would be a problem. So, yeah, I'm not really sure, actually. I think that's part of why they're releasing these is to see what people use them for, because the quality is not that amazing. I guess when you have the audio element, maybe people will use it for that. Facebook has aspirations to do kind of more fancy things with audio where you can pick things out, single noises out, you know, assist with people who have hearing disabilities uh, or just kind of give you audio superpowers, which also is a whole nother, you know, societal can of worms once that rolls out to the world. Bose killed theirs because nobody wanted to do audio with quote unquote smart head or smart glasses. Right. Like I just keep being baffled by this whole rollout and everything about this because smart glasses, the privacy concern is such a major part of like what makes people reticent about these, what people hated about Google glass, what people hated about the Snapchat ones, like over and over again, they're like, Hey, don't, put things on your face that can just record me. That's, and that's like not the killer feature for whatever smart glasses actually come and are successful. Like that's, it wasn't the last two times. Why would it be this time? It's Ray-Ban. I don't know. That's a good question. (laughs) And then like Ray-Ban's like, I know who will we go to, to work on these, these glasses, all of these huge monopolies that we're that we know like all are in this space let's go to the one that everybody has like the most privacy concerns about <laughs> and say let's do a camera on your face together i think we need to caveat everyone i think if you're yeah. saying everyone and you're talking about the people who listen to this show and are on twitter all day then you're correct i think the vast majority of i think we in the media overplay the stigma that is associated with facebook's brand facebook is incredibly data intensive. They do a ton of market research. I don't think they would waste their money putting their brand on something if they thought it was just going to totally tank it. So I think normal people are going to walk into a lens crafters and they're going to see Ray-Ban smart glasses without Facebook on them at all. And they're going to go, oh, that's kind of cool. And then they go, oh, there's a Facebook app. I have to use a Facebook account. Okay, I have Facebook, whatever. There's no Facebook experience in the app. I mean, it's Facebook could not be playing a more backseat role in like the just general consumer touch point. I mean, Facebook is good at hardware. I just like, I will give them credit. People like the portal products. They won't tell us how many they've sold, but they were sold out in the pandemic. I don't know if that means they made five and sold all five. It's low six (laughs) figures. They sold a Bezos amount. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Um, I think I've said on the show a thousand times that Quest 2 is like actually an incredible consumer product. It is. It's fantastic. It is complete. Quickly approaching 10 million units. Most likely will hit very soon. Yeah. So like Facebook is not bad at hardware. The thing that surrounds them is, oh, I got to use my Facebook account. Right. And that like I hear I do hear that from audience. I do hear that from. I was like, we should get portals to my family. And they're like, Facebook? No, thank you. Right? Like, there, there is some reticence out there that is, it's hard to measure and hard to understand. The privacy concern here, though, is not about you. It's weird. Right. Like, this is a tool that helps you invade other people's privacy. Like, Facebook on, like, almost has nothing to do with that interaction. I asked Facebook about this and, you know, their point was this is actually more obvious than just recording someone with your phone because we have this, you either have to say, hey, Facebook, you have to physically do this. There's a shutter noise and then a light comes on. Whereas like I can be kind of fake scrolling on my phone, you know, and potentially snag something. So their argument is that, you know, phones are already doing this. I don't know if I buy that. 
at least if you, you see a person with a phone, like, you know, it's pointed at you. Maybe you might think that like we, that's a ubiquitous situation now. Glasses. I, we don't have the cultural understanding of whether glasses take a picture of you or not. Now there's light and there's shutter noise, but I just keep coming back to, it is so easy to overthink this product. Like the number of like metaverse takes I've read about this product today already. And I'm like, it doesn't even have a display. Like it's a super cheap camera sensor and a pair of rate, like fundamentally it's spy glasses from the, the spy tech store <laughs> that Facebook, like there's not a lot going on. Here. Sharper image was making these 20 years ago yeah. and we were all wanting to get them while we flew on Delta. <laughs> like, yeah, it, there's such a simple, I, I, I always kind of hate how I think we heard it with Snapchat and we heard it also with Bose calling these, these products smart Yes, because they feel super stupid. <laughs> like or dumb excuse me they, they just they don't feel like smart products like when i hear smart glasses i think of like the sort of damocles or something like that like something that's really giving me lots of data and this is mainly like to have your phone con- it's just like a, an output for your phone to create data to consume data like i don't know i don't get it i don't Dieter, give us the appeal as the only person here who's bought them <laughs> yeah you're surrounded by suckers why are you the biggest one of all? Well, I, I I bought them because they're they're Bluetooth headphones. I just I just I wanted I want having a pair of Bluetooth headphones in your glasses stems is actually dope. Yeah. They're like you just always got easy access to a little like music in your ears without having to put in headphones and take them out. That's it. Like I, if they did not have cameras on them, I might still have bought them. Uh, like yeah. The fact that they have cameras uh, was a reason to maybe not buy them. The fact that they're associated with Facebook was another reason to maybe not buy it. As far as the overthinking thing, yeah, I don't know, man. Like this happened with AirPods. They're like, oh, the future is here. Computing is now in your ear hole, right? And it's like, <laughs> mm. also, they're just Bluetooth yeah. headphones. So, like, hold on just a minute before we get there. Alex is wearing them now. Are you? Do you feel like you're in the future? Are you in the metaverse now? I'm in the metaverse. <laughs> um, I definitely am in the metaverse. No, I mean, like, I just can't overstate how yeah normal these are. Like, I, they've they're just the same weight as normal glasses. I think that's the point. The point is to just like slowly introduce people to cameras on their glasses, and maybe if you buy Ray Bans, you'd be willing to pay an extra hundred dollars for the novelty of this. And yeah, they're going to keep making them smarter over time. Whether that's a good thing or not, we're going to find out no matter what. I think. Yeah, I think the, the most important things about this to me are one: you need to have your phone with you to use them. So. The audio, yes. They actually have a fairly good amount of onboard storage for uh, video and photo taking, way better than the first versions of Spectacles. But um, yes, for the audio, you need to be within Bluetooth pairing distance. But you can't, even if you were out taking pictures, to get the pictures you need your phone. To get them off, yes, exactly. Heavily dependent on your phone. Yes. That's going to be a movie. Oh, somebody with their phone and they got the thing and then you got to get the glasses. They're like, oh, I got to find a phone to pair these with. <laughs> Critical information. Finally. Gotta get it off. Finally a good idea for a movie. Yes. That's the I've one. I've been watching all this dumb stuff that's coming out of these streaming services. <laughs> Hollywood, call us. We got it. <laughs> but, so there's that. It, but then there's like, when I think about what you need to actually make the AR glasses or do the metaverse stuff. The cameras need to be able to recognize what you're looking at. I don't think you can do any of that. Spectacles can't do any of that. Snapchat did put out some AR features. Well, yes. So they released, I air quotes, released spectacles earlier this year 
to creators and developers in an invite-only program that do have AR displays in them. They actually bought the AR display provider. We broke that story at The Verge for half a billion dollars. So yeah, Snap is actually ahead here. Now they're not like being sold to the level of Ray-Ban, right? Mm -hmm. But yes, those are out in the wild. Some people have them and they do have very basic object detection. There's a scan button. I did a big story on scan in the Snapchat app, which basically just kind of recognizes the world around you and is kind of trying to make AR more of a utility. These spectacles actually have scan in them and you can look at a tree and it it will suggest tree lenses in your display. So Snap is actually pretty well ahead here in terms of where we're going with smart glasses. So that's the compute side of it, right? You need to be able to know what you're looking at. You need to do some computing to say something interesting about it. And then you need to display it somewhere. I haven't seen anybody make AR display technology that is good. Well, define good. Well, it's just all like HoloLens or whatever. It's all just like LCDs in front of your face. You could also have lasers shot in your retina if you want to have, you know, like like North and then, you know, the the canceled Intel glasses that I tried. They it shot it was like it was black and white, red. Like remember looking at like I don't know, OG Palm Pilots or like mm-hmm. very, very old monitors that were like, you know, green. Yeah. Like you could have that if you want in your eyeball, you know. Yeah, the spectacles are full color. They're very, very limited field of view though. Mm-hmm. Um and they're fairly grainy. Yeah. But they are still one of the best displays on the market and that gives you a sense of how far away we are. I mean, these are like laws of physics problems that these companies are trying to solve for is my understanding in terms of like not burning your face off with the compute needed to power displays that look good enough. So there's actually just like core physics problems that are still being worked through. Um, I don't think we're going to see like consumer AR glasses that most people think are compelling for at least three years, at least. So then this was the other rumor this week, Apple, Actually, you broke when you were back at the information, you broke a story about Apple's VR headset. You had some design renderings of it. So there's lots of rumors about this AR VR stuff that Apple's doing. But the rumor this week, which is kind of a funny rumor, because I think we all just assumed this, is that that headset, whatever that product is, will require an iPhone or a Mac to do the actual compute. Shocking. Which makes all of the sense in the world. Um, <laughs> like Apple making a product that does not rely on the iPhone would be more surprising to me. Um, it's just a, a, the way we are. But that compute problem is enormous, right? And no one has come close to cracking it. No, and Apple has probably the best shot just because of how good their hardware is in the custom silicone they do. Facebook's way behind on silicone. Um, and so, yeah, I'm not surprised by this. I do know that this headset, and we should differentiate this, this mixed reality headset. It's a kind of like a ski mask type looking thing that's coming as early as next year. That's different from the AR glasses. Apple has aspirations to do Ray-Ban looking actual AR glasses. They actually are so like just not there. Like, like <laughs> who knows when they'll come out? Like Apple keeps telling people internally like three to five years, three to five years. That's kind of like all these companies tell their employees internally that uh, it's always constantly moving dates. But this mixed reality headset, yeah, of course it's going to need the iPhone for some things, but it is, it's super powerful. I mean, it's going to be the most high-end luxury like headset like this that the market has seen. There are some that exist that are like $10,000 that it's going to be kind of comparable to with like dual 8K displays, eye tracking, all these things. But um, I'm not surprised that they need some offloading for compute on a device like that because it would just burn your face off. So there's heat. And then there's kind of the last piece of the puzzle. And this is actually very exciting news this week, literally embedded in very boring news. So <laughs> we've, we've spent a lot of time talking on the show and on the site about battery technology. And we've kind of plateaued at lithium ion for a long time. 
So there's a new company called Sela uh, Nanotechnologies. They've been at it since 2011, and they shipped their first new technology, new battery technology this week. Uh, it's a silicon anode instead of graphite and lithium ion. 20% boost in energy density in this battery. And it is shipping, it's actually shipping in a product called the Whoop Fitness Tracker. <laughs> whoop, whoop. I mean, there are people, people like the Whoop. You know, the original, the last Whoop was like... The last stupid whoop. name. The last whoop. <laughs> the last. There's a movie, by the way. <laughs> yeah, there's another movie right the there. Last whoop. We're just cranking them out. Uh, <laughs> oh, God, whoop stories by Ray Ban. But that last one, like Fitbit, immediately kind of took what what Whoop had, had made big deal in their last one, which was like a fitness score, like telling people. Oh, you should work out today or not because you're you're not ready. Um, There's a readiness score, I think. So, like, whoop is, is name aside, like, it's always kind of like a little ahead of the curve, and it's very niche area. And this is, yeah, it's kind of like cool. Whoop fans, rise up! Whoop, yeah. It's just if you're me. in the whoop crew, tweet at yeah. Alex. <laughs> Please You're don't. a hardcore whoop stan. Alex is t- ready for you. You don't exist. I think I'll be fine. But this, just like in terms of like just the pieces of the puzzle, you need yeah. it's a computer on your face. Like it's all the same bits and bobs as your phone. You need a bunch of cameras that are running all of the time to make an AR headset. You need a bunch of cameras that are running all the time. You need microphones that are running all the time. You need a display that is running all the time to make this thing valuable. And then you need a battery that can do stuff like last. So you need a better battery technology. You need a a display that won't burn your face off. You need cameras that won't burn your face off. And you need a chip that is, can do all this processing all like 24 hours a day while you're wearing these glasses. Well, you also, you actually need things that it does that it actually does not dreams of what it'll do someday. How long did it take for the Apple watch, which has, Similar problems, but easier solutions because they don't have to make a display in front of your eye and they can it's on your wrist and not burning your, your head off. How long did it take the Apple Watch to justify the effort that it takes to wear an Apple Watch with the with what it gives back to you? It took like two years. It's like four, right? Three. I would say three. It took years. For non-health stuff, does it still justify it? I, I'm not sure it does. If you're not like super into health stuff, I have no reason to wear one. Yeah. I mean if you're if you're a nerd like me. You can justify it without the health stuff by like, you know, having easier access to notifications and not having to, I don't know, look at your phone for the weather. That's super important to me. Um, but. It's a real power move in a meeting to be like, oh, hold on and look down at your watch just because and it's just like a slack from a coworker of a bad gift. Yeah, absolute power. Yeah, this is just like a fantasy of what working in an office is like. You've completely <laughs> forgotten. You have no idea. <laughs> I'm like, going to do it. Alex Next all day is just like, hang on. Tapping. <laughs> hold on, hold on, hold on. I just gotta, I gotta slack. <laughs> uh, the number one use case for us is, uh, you know, we're parents. We work on two different floors, so we use the walkie-talkie all the time. It's great. I, I can actually see that being useful. Yeah, uh, it's very funny to receive the code brown walkie-talkie from my wife. <laughs> <laughs> like still to this day, it's we've been doing it for three and a half years. It's still hilarious every time. But like all those bits and pieces, and I, I agree with you about the watch. Like. The watch had to justify itself, and it got to a place where it feels justified. People like it. But more specifically, how long did it take before Apple could keep the display lit up all the time? Right? That was five Jeez. generations of this watch. Yeah. That's, that's just a lot. So I, when we 
when I read the overthinking metaverse takes about these glasses, I'm like, well, they're just, it's just a camera and some glasses. All of the enabling technology is still years off and we haven't even seen glimpses of it. We will next year. You think next year? Next year with, with Apple's headset, if they stick to their plan, but it's going to be so high end. I mean, this thing's going to cost like probably $3,000 is the price they've been discussing internally. So it's definitely prosumer, uh, MacBook Pro. They're thinking of the glasses eventually as like the iPhone parallel, while the headset is like the MacBook Pro parallel. Um, and yeah, I mean, they're going to be cheating a bit by doing mixed reality. So you're getting a video feed of the real world in front of you that they can then interspose with graphics. So you're not actually doing that display with sunlight needing to come in and the display fight against that. That's a huge technical undertaking. So they're actually kind of cheating, but it's going to show what's possible just with what we have today. Um, and I think everyone, when they see that, you know, I'm imagining like a dial on the side. They bought a VR headset company that had this dial that was doing mixed reality where you could literally like be looking at a computer screen and like turn it into a virtual one and back, you know, like that'll sell in a commercial, like, you know, easy. Um, so I imagine they're going to be showing that in that way and everybody's going to go, oh, oh, this is actual AR. This is like compelling AR. I just have to spend $3,000 and wear this like ski mask. <laughs> yeah. So it's going to be kind of like the the Windows mixed reality when we had that a couple of years ago and that everybody forgot it existed. See, I already stopped. forgot that. What is that? Yeah, yeah. You're like, what, what is that? I think Acer, was it Acer or Asus, was really into that one and made lots of headsets. That's for, for the enterprise metaverse. Yeah, sorry. Is my, my favorite Microsoft <laughs> packaging of their technology. When do the glasses come out? Are they out? Can you can we buy the Facebook glasses now? Yeah, you can buy them online. I, Dieter, did you buy them on Ray Ban's website? I did, and they're shipping. I think a couple of days. Um, yeah, and I'm going to go pick them up at the Ray Ban store. All right. Well, there you go. If you're buying this, if you're buying these glasses, you know, tweet it, Dieter. And if you're buying the Whoop, uh, Alex awaits. The whoop, the whoop crew. The whoop crew. Uh, we got to take a break. Actually, there's lots more Apple to talk about. We'll take a break uh, and come back and talk about that. Support for this podcast comes from Canva. They say Rome wasn't built in a day, but you know what you can get built in a day? Your creative deck. You can generate creative decks to use for all your important presentations with Canva. Thanks to their AI, you can start with a simple prompt and watch Canva go to work. You want a sales presentation for a tech company? Done. Create an employee onboarding plan? No problem. Just type it in and watch Canva work its magic. You'll have generated options in seconds. Choose your favorite style, customize the content, and you're done. It's a serious time saver at work. So whatever you do at your job, Canva presentations can give you a head start on your deck. You can generate sales presentations, marketing decks, HR onboarding plans, you name it. It's AI for every department. It's easy to learn. It's even easier to use. And because it's built in Canva presentations, you can stay focused on the task at hand with no app switching. Finish your deck faster. Generate slides in seconds with Canva presentations at canva.com. Design for work. Most weight loss programs focus on restriction and inflexible routine, which is why most diets fail. But Noom isn't a diet. It's a weight management program that uses psychology and biology to help you develop healthy, sustainable habits. Noom believes that weight loss starts with the brain, and their daily lessons are tailored to help users understand the science behind food cravings and eating choices. Whether you want to lose weight, increase physical activity, meet a health goal, or simply change the way you think about food, Noom can help you build healthy habits while still enjoying your favorite foods. 
Stay focused on what's important to you with Noom's psychology and biology-based approach. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com and check out Noom's first ever cookbook, The Noom Kitchen, for 100 healthy and delicious recipes to promote better living. Available to buy now wherever books are sold. We're back. There's an Apple event next week. We got to talk about iPhone 13 rumors, all that stuff. But we were just talking about the Apple Watch. Let's start with Kevin Lynch, who is the executive in charge of the Apple Watch, who is now rumored to be taking over the car project. This week, Doug Field, who was the executive at Apple, who was, we believe, to be in charge of the car. He was a VP of special projects. Apple's obviously never confirmed any of this, but so many people have worked on this car project and left Apple that everyone knows there's a car project. I don't know how else to describe that. Like it's, we can't see it, but we can see it's like gravitational pull. It's exhaust. (laughs) The metaphor is exhaust. We can see the garbage that comes out of it as it burns and burns. (laughs) We we can see where it should be. Anyway, Doug Field was in charge of it. That was a big poach from Tesla. He left Apple to go to Ford and hilariously, both companies were like, yep, that happened. Yep. Ford's stock went up, which is hilarious on the hiring of one executive. And Apple was like, yeah, Doug, uh, wish him the best. And then now you're hearing from, from Mark Urban at Bloomberg that Kevin Lynch, who is the executive in charge of the Apple Watch, will now be in charge of the car. So Godspeed, Kevin Lynch. Yeah. I mean, that kind of makes sense because he has to like – with the Apple Watch, he had to convince people that this thing you really don't need ever in your life, as Alex mentioned – you need in your life. And now he's going to have to do that again, but like much more expensive. We've obviously been hearing about this car forever. And I make this joke all the time. Car executives love decoder, especially because there's no New York auto show. So I keep talking to car executives, you know, they, the car industry is not confused about its challenges, right? right. Like just this week, Mercedes announced like 35 luxury EV SUVs. And they're like, there's like an EV G-Wagon that will be $150,000 all the way down to like (laughs) an EV B-Class that will be a Mercedes, so expensive, but more affordable. Like they know they got to do it. Cadillac is doing the the Lyric, which will be in the sort of like $60,000 range, which is affordable for the luxury segment. Like they know that Tesla is a threat. They're coming for Tesla. They're also better at building cars than Tesla. Like I, I, to this day, I think Quinn Nelson, who I, like he, he just bought a Model Y. Yeah, on Twitter. all the fit and finish problems on the Model Y. They're like it's actually a lot. It just kept going yeah. and going. There's like gaps. Yeah, huge panel gaps. The interiors are still really bare bones. I think Tesla today put out a note to its staff that they had to go super hardcore to meet their Q3, Q4 targets, which is like an incredible note for a manager. Like. I just like I can't imagine being like Verge team. We must go super hardcore. Like imagine sending this to you. Yeah. Now, I don't have a choice. But all of that is like the car industry knows. They know they have this existential threat. New York State is going to pass a law that all cars by twenty thirty five have to be electric. They're they're rising to the moment. Are they doing a great job? No. Every car that I just mentioned is announced, but not shipping. There's a chip shortage. So there's a lot of vaporware. <laughs> Just be clear. Well, the F one the F one fifty came out, didn't nope. it? Nope. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> the hype. There's still time for them to make it the F one fifty USB C instead of the Lightning. Still. <laughs> that would be incredible. 
I'm going to call Jim Farley and let him know. But they know, like, you know, uh, I don't know, the Mustang Mach-E is sold out everywhere, right? The the Rivian, that's a new company, their pre-orders are off the charts. People really believe in that company. So they know, like, the car industry knows, and they are good at making cars, and they are trying. I cannot figure out what Apple will bring to that equation or how. And I think that is, like, that's just why this car project just has been reset over and over and over again. At one point, they were going to build software and services and try to sell that to car makers. That didn't Which work. Which makes sense. At another point, we'd heard that they were trying to get Hyundai or Honda or Toyota or somebody to build the car for them. And all of those companies were like, no, we make car. Like, why would we not be the brand in charge of it? Like, why would we fox hunt ourselves? So that, that apparently hasn't gone anywhere. And now, now they're starting over yet again. Like, I just don't know what the, I don't know what the opportunity in the car industry is. Well, in theory, the Mac, the opportunity was Apple was better at software design, right? The iPhone was, they had a, they had an insight of how uh, a smartphone could work better and they were able to build it. And then Apple Watch and basically everything else since then is they're just like more efficient and making really good hardware, good consumer electronics than other companies and software design in theory there that's like an advantage but i don't know i'm looking at some of the stuff lately and i'm not so sure but <laughs> those are like the, those are the things like they have like a an interface insight they have some sort of like software design and they're just very very good at making decent or excellent like consumer electronics hardware and so the question is, are they leveraging one, two, or all three of those things to a car? And do they have a fourth thing that we don't know about? And like I haven't seen a hint of the fourth thing, which means that they're like they're kind of doing it because they have to, because they're the biggest company on earth, and they just like everyone's like, Well, what else are we gonna do? We gotta do something. Yeah, they have to find a market to expand their market cap, right? It's like healthcare, automotive, what what's what's out there that's big enough that they haven't hit. And also I was thinking while Dieter was talking, like, isn't a self-driving car in about five years going to be the ultimate luxury consumer electronic? Yeah, but they're not gonna exist in five years. Like self-driving cars, the kind that like everybody dreams of making these level four, level five cars, like Apple's not going to do that in the next five years. They're going to cost a lot of money, and they're only going to work in certain places, but they're going to be able to be redesigned because they're self-driving. There'll probably be some kind of AR thing in the dash, in the, in the you know, in, in like Apple's already making that. I, I just keep thinking of the hubris of this company. Like, I remember when, when all this stuff came out about Johnny Ive, and like, his idea of the car was let's let's do it, but not have a steering wheel at all. And like that's what I think of every time I think of these app, like Apple going into the space. Fundamentally, every company is looking at that future without a steering wheel, and then you you're you're commuting in a world of screens. And if you're going to be looking at a screen, it might as well run iOS, right? Like and only have Apple Music. Yes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's just like because there's so many different like. Building a building a computer is a lot different than building a thirty forty in Apple's case probably a hundred thousand dollar car. Like that's not an easy thing to do. That's a whole infrastructure. Like Apple's the Apple's success right now is all yeah we've talked about like the hardware and stuff. But the real success nowadays, the reason it's the most profitable com company in the world is that supply chain. It's so good at supply chain, and it cannot leverage that to build. A giant ass car like that's not where its supply chain talents are 
right? Like that's why there's all these leaks about them talking to Kia and Toyota. And I know for a fact, like internally, at, at least before this job change at the top that literally just happened, they were set on working with a partner at least five years out. And I mean, they have to outsource that. They've never made a car before. So like what Neil, I was saying, they're going to try to Foxconn some automotive maker. Yeah. Why would any automotive, I mean, it was the same thing with like with Roku and TCL, right? Like it sounds like that's what they want to be doing. They want to do when Roku went and said, hey, we need to build TVs. We want to build them, do them in the United States. And they went and found TCL, who had just built those big factories in Mexico and said, hey, let's work together. And it helped both of them. And now TCL is like, we're going to be doing some other software. Like, see you later, Roku. Like, yeah, well, actually, they're also, they're they're down the white labeling TVs for Amazon now. We should talk about that in a minute. But yeah, yeah okay, okay. But here, but but the structure of that, Alex, is like very different. Like, TCL was a Chinese company that wanted an entry point into America, Roku gave them that entry point. Right, that's what I'm saying. It's like, there's no TCL in the car space right now. Right, because there's only like three car companies. Like underneath this all, there's like, (laughs) name a car company and I will tell you what percentage of that car company is actually owned by a much bigger car company. Aren't there some luxury kind of small European car makers that make just super like magenta, magenta? Yeah, there's like a tiny bit of like hyper car companies. But if you think of any, please find a supercar. Couldn't Apple just say like, "Here's like what your entire revenue is. Like, we'll just double it for a year for the, like the next five years and just make the Apple car as well, and like we'll pay for all your expansion." What they did with Foxconn. I mean, they Foxconn was built and you know scaled with Apple. Couldn't they just do that to one of these little luxury automotive makers? I have a better idea. It, they need, they just need a factory, and there's one sitting near Racine, Wisconsin, where they, they have go. threatened to build cars. <laughs> this is true. It's a deep cut. <laughs> It's not so deep. Uh, <laughs> no, I mean, like, Foxconn has this empty factory. They've talked about building cars with Fisker there. Yeah. They, it's either there in Mexico. They were supposed to say in July. Uh, you will notice it's September. The Foxconn in Wisconsin experiment continues. And now um, what Fisker is saying is they don't want to build their cars in a place where consumers cannot buy cars directly. So Wisconsin has those weird dealer laws where you have to buy a car from a dealer. Like, Tesla's always mad about this. So Fisker wants Wisconsin to change its car dealership laws in order to build the cars in a Foxconn factory there. And I think the Wisconsin government is rightfully like, maybe we don't want to do more for this empty box in Racine, <laughs> Wisconsin. Like, maybe y'all should figure it out. So there's, like, a lot of back and forth there. But ultimately, Foxconn has ambitions to be a car maker, or a vendor of cars. They have not proven that they can do that, but they, they know. Um, we interviewed the CEO of Flex on Decoder. She was great. She was like, we've got to get good at cars. This is the next great consumer electronics business. They all know these are rolling computers. But the thing that I just don't see, like to be successful in the car business in America, you have to make a crossover SUV and you have to make a pickup truck. Is Apple going to make a pickup truck? But yeah, but before the iPhone, you had to have a physical keyboard. I mean, like these are like, I'm just saying like Apple could come out and say this is, yeah, it costs a station wagon. They're like station wagons are back. Right. But like Apple could come out and say, this is the most amazing luxury, self-driving, futuristic car you've ever seen. It only shows you Ted Lasso and, (laughs) you know. Uh, you can just sit in the back and like airplay everything you want. And because people are going to be doing self-driving, which I guess we could agree will eventually happen, maybe not in five years, but all those, all that time driving is unlocked to be passively 
consuming things like Apple services. I mean, it makes sense if you're thinking like 10 years out, how we're all going to be in cars that Apple would want to own that experience, right? Otherwise they get boxed out. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's fair. I just, I just keep thinking of like the 1990s on like 60 minutes and watching all of those every other week, there was a thing about like, you know, Ford is now doing a self-driving car and Dodge is going to be doing a flying car. And I think like the car space is much more complex and it's like Apple just kind of like trying to dip in by saying we're going to do this thing that like the biggest car companies in the world can't do. Well, that's very Apple. I, I buy that. Yeah, it like, is very Apple. That's true. That's true. But they also can't do a TV. Like, how long have we been hearing about the Apple TV TV TV? Oh, I, I mean, I, that's, we could do an hour on why I think they should make a TV, but well, we should yeah, take a break but, from the car. We'll see. <laughs> I think the fact that they can't keep an executive or a plan in place indicates that they are struggling with all of the same problems that we have been talking about and that their yeah. plan is not solidified. That said, I love the idea of an Apple-designed crossover SUV. I think that would be the – it will just be hilarious <laughs> fundamentally or a pickup truck. It, it cannot go over a single mountain. <laughs> okay, there's an event. Speaking of actual Apple products, yeah. there's an event next week. Dieter, walk us through it. So they announced it. It is uh, Tuesday the 14th. You know, we're getting into what we're expecting. I'm just going to say, you know that Apple wanted to do this in person, and the way that you know – for sure, is the teaser for this event was California Streamin'. And the song California Dreamin' is about how you're in New York and it's getting cold and it kind of sucks and you wish you, were, you wish you were someplace better like California. They just, they're mad that they can't have their event in person and so yep. they named their event California Streamin'. I, I, this is true, by the way. They, they wanted to have that event in person. Yeah. I get why um, they didn't, but... I'm glad I wanted to go and I was excited back in the heady days of June. Ah, June. Anyway. Anyway, so iPhone 13s, the the consensus seems to be that they're going to be 13s. Um, The rumors seem pretty clear that we're looking at the Pro is going to have probably an LTPO OLED display, which means that it can have a variable refresh rate, which means that it can finally have a high refresh rate. Finally, that we're assuming is going to happen. We assume there's going to be better cameras. We assume there's going to be an A15. Uh, and we're also hearing smaller notches at the top. Yes. Great. <laughs> Good. I will buy it for no notch. Well, no notch is coming out later. Okay, like, then the, I'm not buying it. Well, YouTuber John Prosser is like, well, I got all this, all the scoop on the Apple iPhone 14 for next year. And then, uh, and then everybody lost their minds for a day. We can worry about that later. <laughs> One year from now. Yeah. <laughs> Tune back in a year from now. We'll talk about the iPhone 14. But Apple, <laughs> there was an FCC leak of the MagSafe charger, which is amazing. When is the last time Apple slipped and let something out through the FCC? I mean, 10 years. It's incredible how sloppy that is for them. But the thing mentioned that it's com- you know compatible with four new phones, which means that we might actually get uh, a mini. There was a worry that they might not do the mini again. But uh, if there's four phones, you got to have the mini, the regular, the pro, and the pro max. Like that's that's how they do it. What about a max max? They max, could double max. the max. It could be the max max. Instead of an iPad mini, you go double max. Ooh. Oh my god! There's only so much screen size slots between left. those two things. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, iPad mini is another thing that we're waiting on. We're waiting on new AirPods. We're waiting on new MacBook Pros. Um, I don't know. There's a bunch of stuff sort of floating out there that we're waiting on refreshes on. And, of course, the Apple Watch, uh, which looks like it's going to have square sides. So they're going to pick from that menu of stuff. And 
my money is on iPhones, obviously. Apple Watch tends to go with iPhones. And then pick one more thing, I guess. AirPods. Oh, AirPods. Yeah. So, like, the, the question is, like, are they going to throw an iPad in? Are they going to throw a MacBook in? I can't imagine they would throw a MacBook in. They need to make a big to-do about the M1X, right? Yeah. I, I'm going to go iPad. And it's a big redesign for the MacBook, too. Yeah. I, I think the, they, they'll do Macs October, maybe. Yeah. Week after next. <laughs> just like do as another. soon as we're out of the event, we're going to get another invite. Oh, God. I mean, they, <laughs> don't they just like drop new AirPods on a random Tuesday now? Isn't that like how the Apple rolls? They've done it before. Remember they had that lead up last, was two years ago now, where like every day there was something and then they, invite, they had the event. Um, they haven't done that in a while because these like infomercial events just have a higher product density mm-hmm. because they can just like clip along. Whereas in person, they're like, they talk very slowly. They repeat themselves. Someone has to get on stage. They have to yeah. walk off stage. And they can't just have a cool drone transition. Yeah. So the, uh, we'll see. I, my bet is it's like the iOS show. And yeah. I, I say that inclusive of iPad OS and the Apple Watch. Like it's phones, maybe some AirPods, and the new watch, maybe an iPad. But that would be my call. I, the question for me is which stuff gets delayed because of various chip shortages or part shortages? Because right. we've heard the watch will be delayed. Yeah. Yeah. But it's kind of a huge deal to Apple's business if their phones are delayed. Well, they've done it before. I mean, their their stuff was a little late last year because of COVID, wasn't it? I think they're doing okay. I mean, I, last I checked. <laughs> <laughs> Fair. And I think they own a bunch of like TSMC's output just outright. So, yeah. But, you know, these are like the looming questions, especially at Apple scale. Like, even a little dip is a lot of money for that company. I don't, like I'm excited for these new phones. I, did you do any deep reads of the of the invite? Oh, so the invite, uh, the AR th- effect is you can like push your camera through the glowing Apple logo that floats there, and then you get this like night scene of a lake. And uh, the, so there's a rumor that, there's good, that they're going to finally do um, like astrophotography in the way that uh, Pixel does. So if it sees stars, it'll convert to an astrophotography mode. Whether or not that means there's other AR stuff specifically. That I don't know. Uh, that's been hard. They've done AR stuff for their invites for a minute now, and everyone's like, oh, that means AR stuff is coming, and it really hasn't. Um, but it's also been a minute since they've, like, I don't know, done a big, splashy AR demo, right? I mean, they haven't had the stage to, like, put the table on and show the Lego battle or whatever they do. Um, I don't know how they get that to come across in a stream. But There's nothing more compelling than watching other people yeah. look at an iPad. Alex, <laughs> will they will they wait on that one for, like, in person? That feels like an in-person. That's what I was just about to say. I think they really want to do the headset in person, and I think they need to announce it at, like, WWDC and get developers on board before general release. So... Odds on WWDC being in person next year, 50-50? Like, if it's not, I don't know what they do. Uh, it would be really hard to brief people and show people the product. And um, Would they yeah. just hold another year? They probably might need to anyway with, like, supply chain stuff. Um, yeah. They're definitely not in, like, mass manufacturing or anywhere close to that. There's, like, one guy at Apple now who's like, yes, hold it another year. <laughs> oh, there's, there's several. <laughs> <laughs> Amazing. So that's the event. We're looking forward to it. We're going to cover this stuff. I think we're expecting mostly a high focus on phones. You know, the jump from 12 to 13 and you know, maybe five years ago, you would have the S cycle and you weren't expecting a lot. Yeah. The jump to the new number was meaningful in some way. They're off that cycle. They don't do S. I like what's, what was the last S? I guess it was a 10S, right? They just call it iPhone. Just say iPhone, new iPhone. Hello. There's a new iPhone. 
iPhone. Because some of us have to write reviews and like all sorts of blogs about it. We need a number. Yeah. We gotta have a number. Yeah. I mean, back to the car industry, like the Honda Accord is not like the Honda Accord 25. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, is that the 24S? (laughs) Oh God. What if, what if instead of a number, they're just packages, like there's packages for cars. Like the the iPhone GTI. Ooh, that would actually be great. <laughs> you know, the whatever. iPhone Touring series. The, oh my God, the Touring <laughs> iPhone. <laughs> the iPhone LX. There's one that's blacked out, one that's festooned in Chrome, and you're like, oh, oh and you have to do a bunch of Google research to figure out what the different packages mean, and you can't actually tell which one is the high end one and which one isn't. Dieter definitely just bought a car. <laughs> 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 that was just a pure frustration moment. Okay, so we're not expecting... I only say that to, to underline, we're expecting some incremental changes with the 13, not the big number jump that you might otherwise think. Like, this feels like a pretty incremental... Like, the iPhone's 12 sold incredibly well. Yeah. There's not a reason to take some huge set of risks with the 13. Hopefully the new display and new camera is cool. But I feel like I say that every year about the iPhone. Well, to me, the big question is, is the Max going to continue to have a better camera system than the regular Pro? Uh, there is a rumor that the answer to that question is yes, which for me personally is a bummer because I've been using the Max because I want to have the best camera on to compare to other smartphones. And um, man, I'm just tired of the surfboard. It's so freaking big. I will say we, uh, we you know, the, the test for me is we have a toddler. She does not sit still for photos. I have all but stopped using the RX100 with the 12. That was not the case the year before. But even like portrait, like we use portrait mode in a way that it's like two years ago, I was like, ah, no one's ever going to use this. Now we're just like using it all the time. So they're hitting a limit. We've heard these rumors about portrait mode video. There's some room left for the camera system, but they are they are hitting the plateau of the curve. Well, I just want to point out that all of the stuff we are discussing are portrait mode video higher refresh rate screen, always on display, lock screen. I, I forgot to mention that. Um, this is stuff Samsung did before. And like Samsung didn't do it well, especially in portrait mode video. It's pretty garbage. So there's a there's the story that, oh, Apple waits till they get it right, and then they do it, and they show how everybody else did it badly. And like, sure, yes, I get that. But I don't buy that story, especially when it comes to the always on display. Like, come on. What, what, what was the problem? Like, Android phones have been doing this for literally years, many, yeah. many of them, and they've been fine. What's the deal? Why did it take so long? I don't know. They were waiting for the the air power charger. No, they've got a list of like stuff they can do to make all the products different year after year. Oh, okay. And they just like hold it and then they're like, uh, well. Time to roll out the LS edition. (laughs) Yeah, like list (laughs) list is getting pretty thin. Let's black out the wheels. (laughs) Last little bit of Apple stuff. They had the huge controversy around the photo scanning, the child protection all that stuff is indefinitely delayed, which it seems like the yeah. right call. And they just said they're going to take the coming months to talk to people and get feedback. It doesn't mean they're not going to ship it. Right. They announced they was going to ship this year in iOS 15. Yep. So if you just think about what that means, iOS 15 will ship in September. That leaves October, November, and December. So they were talking about Q4. So the, the thing had a deadline. Now it does not. So we'll see various groups fight for the future, et cetera, are like, just never ship it. Just walk away from the city. I don't know that Apple's ever going to go that far, but that the pressure has worked in this case, which I think is interesting. And I think as Apple has these ambitions to take over things like healthcare, they're going to have to get way better at telling a lot of people what they're doing and getting buy-in before they start mucking around. I mean, there's a really interesting parallel to the way Google tried to do Flock on Chrome. 
They said, here's a proposal of we got we're gonna we're gonna kill cookies. We gotta do it. Here's a proposal of how we think it'll work. And everyone was like, Well, this is terrible, you suck, we hate you, we're not joining in. Apple was like, Well, we gotta we gotta somehow scan for uh, you know, CSAM. So this is what we're doing. And and so where Google's like, what do you think of our idea? Apple was like, this is our idea, now we defend it. And in both of those cases, it kind of didn't work. But there's some zone in the middle where you're like, we have to do this thing. Here's our idea for this thing. And there's like some kind of feedback loop that doesn't just make you a target. And uh, I don't know that Apple or Google know what that feedback loop looks like yet. Yeah. I think in this case, if Apple had announced encrypted iCloud, they would have offered people a benefit, like a really meaningful benefit. And they, they didn't. But who knows? For now, it's delayed. When it comes back again, I'm sure there's going to be another round of this coverage. Okay. We're going to take a break. We got to talk about the rest of hardware season that's coming and then a bunch of other stuff. We'll be right back. Support for this podcast comes from Constant Contact. If you're a business owner, you already know that it's really, really hard to cut through the noise of everyday life. If you want to connect with your customers, you need to break through the noise. You need Constant Contact. Constant Contact is a marketing platform that makes it easy to reach new audiences, grow your customer list, and connect over email, text, social media, and more. Whether you're a marketing guru or just learning the ropes, Constant Contact offers writing assistance tools and automation features that make it simple to say the right thing at the right time. So get going and start growing your business today with a free trial at ConstantContact.com. Just go to ConstantContact.com right now. Constant Contact, helping the small stand tall. ConstantContact.com. Support for this show comes from Slack. You're a growing business and you can't afford to slow down. If anything, you could probably use a few more hours in the day. That's why the most successful growing businesses are working together in Slack. Slack is where work happens with all your people, data, and information in one AI-powered place. Start a call instantly in huddles and ditch cumbersome calendar invites. Or build an automation with Workflow Builder to take routine tasks off your plate. No coding required. Grow your business in Slack. Visit slack.com to get started. We are back. Alex, you want to run us through these these Amazon TVs? By the way, Apple should have made TVs years ago. And the fact that Amazon is making TVs now, like they are so far behind Amazon. Apple did make a TV. They did. I remember this from my Apple blogging days like over a decade ago. They it actually, oh, We should have introduced you with this. You were like an OG <laughs> Apple blog blogger. Yeah, it's kind of embarrassing, actually. But um, <laughs> yeah, they had one. I think it actually the it went through like some kind of early FCC review. It was like almost getting out and would have been great. Would have been great. Was it like the first version of the Apple TV back in those days when it was like the Apple TV was just a straight computer or? I don't even... I think we knew about the hardware at the time. I think this was when I was at Cult of Mac. We knew about the hardware. We didn't know about the software, but we knew there was a TV. I've definitely heard from various other TV manufacturers that like Johnny Ive would like wander through gigantic LCD factories, just like making demands of LCD companies 
and everyone thought they were going to do it. And then they too many ports. They never did. What if this remote had no buttons? <laughs> yeah. um, they just never did it. And now you look at where Amazon has arrived. They've got a new Fire TV stick. Yeah, they've got a new Fire TV stick. They they're doing a TV. And they didn't say who they're partnering with with that TV, but I, I definitely was watching Chris Welch line up TVs. The most Chris Welch of Chris Welch moments. Yeah, he had like a TCL Series Six, and and a, and the, the new Fire TV, and he's like, "Well, it's the exact same layout on the side," and the images did s- seem to suggest that, but we don't know who they're actually working with. That one makes a lot of sense just with everything that's been going on with TCL lately. So yeah, that's going to have Amazon fire built in and it's a shockingly, like a lot of people use it. I never think of it. We always think of like Roku and Android and Apple, but a lot of people use the fire TV OS. Yeah. So. Uh, Bezos, Bezos number use it. A Bezos number of people use this thing. Yeah, well, like a Google. Google is like technically a number. I think we should start. Bezos should just start being a number. A Bezos, but like it's not a Bezos number. It's like, yeah, Bezos people use it. But they're they're cheap TVs. They're gonna sell on Amazon. They're gonna probably be out. I think they're out for for Black Friday season. They're going to just sell like hotcakes as people are like, I need a cheap TV. Oh wow, this one is because I think like a forty three inch. Fire TV 4 Series is starting at like $369. Wow. That TV's going to look horrible. What is the deal with TCL? So they 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 partner with Roku, and they had big success there. And then uh, their Google rolls in and is like, hey, what if you made Google TVs instead of Roku TVs? And TCL is like, well, that, that's an interesting checkbook you got there, Google. And then they're like, yeah. who else has a checkbook? And now they're making – they're like white labeling TVs for Amazon. Roku's sort of – I don't know what the, what's going on with them, but the the fight for all these smart TV platforms to just like have someone make the TV for them is fascinating to me right now. Yeah, because they can't like they they don't want to make their own TVs for the most part. They just they they just want to slap it on something else, and they're tired of doing all these big deals with like Sony or or whoever. And you know, LG and Samsung, I think, are both very like no. We're doing our Tizen and WebOS for life. Yeah. You know what we need? Instead of all, everybody making sticks or like fighting to be on board, there should be like a port that you can put your smart TV card yes. into, like a cable card, and then Wasn't it's standardized. The Intel? And then. So, what I want to, I just want to stop this right here. First of all, Alex, <laughs> you, uh, God bless you for treating this so sincerely. Dieter is just directly <laughs> trolling me. Yes, there should be a horrible cable company middleware product. Yeah. That utterly <laughs> fails to create competition. That'd be great. Also, Samsung did this. Remember, they had they did. the modular processing cards that you could replace in the back of your TV. They released one of those updates of the like the little computer thing. <laughs> and they're like, oh, no one gives a shit. They bought a $30 Roku. Yep. <laughs> I mean, this is like you mentioned Sony and LG. Like, these are proud companies that want to own the customer relationship. Right. Like, I have a Sony Android TV. It's a beautiful OLED panel. It runs Android. And I still have a Chromecast plugged into it because just by dint of having Sony involved, Android is crap on that TV. Like (laughs) there's just no getting around it. Like I might as well just like have the better device. Whereas I think TCL is like, we want market share. We will happily run your operating system and let you own the customer relationship. 
but we are going to make the TVs and sell them to everyone. And they are just crushing it on that front. When did they roll out the Roku TV? That was like five or six years ago. Yeah. And and TCL had like existed before that. They, they'd had a very small presence in the United States. They'd had a much la- larger presence overseas. But they just made really, really kind of garbage TVs. And then Roku said, hey, we want to get into this business. We want to start building TVs and really demanded an improvement on on TCL's side. And TCL then took that and ran with it and was like, oh, wow, if we make better products, more people will buy them? This is crazy. <laughs> Wild. Quality control works. What's interesting here is that maybe to this day, we have recommended the TCL 6 series that runs Roku is like, kind of your go-to dead ahead, buy the CV, you'll be happy. Dolby Vision, high refresh rate, the whole deal. The Roku software is good. TCL did not. There are no like, preloaded TCL apps or whatever, right? Like, yeah, my Sony TV has horrible preloaded apps. Like, <laughs> I don't know why there's an app on that TV that would let me stream MP4s from my like laptop. But Sony was like, we're going to ship that app. It somehow got like a boxy. If we're going to get into complaining about TV software, <laughs> I have a Tizen TV and I have many feelings. <laughs> many of them. Uh, my LG WebOS TV has no fewer than three ways to stream shit from your phone to the TV. <laughs> yeah. If you were wondering where Miracast went, it's on the LG WoWoS. Uh, on 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 Tizen currently, the setting is broken. Where if you turn on AirPlay, it thinks what you're trying to do is do two screens side by side: one screen AirPlay, one screen you know the broken input from cable that doesn't exist. So it just it just goes to this two screen mode, and you've got to like hit three extra buttons to get out of the two screen mode. One of which is like, do you want to save this two screen mode forever so that it always does this? And obviously, you do. Why did the TV still default to like the coax input? Oh, this was like a big deal for uh, for Vizio. They they took out the coax input, yeah, because they were like that. no one uses it. Then they were not, yeah, they were not allowed to call their TVs TVs anymore. Like that's just a sparkling monitor, sir. <laughs> and then everyone got mad at them, and they had to they're add only, it back. They're only TVs <laughs> if they come from the TV region of France. <laughs> Uh, and the, so they added the, the, the people want coax inputs. I don't know. So I, I gotta say one more thing about the same as on TV expansion. So they're doing their, their like Amazon branded ones. They have a partnership with Toshiba. They're going to do more of those. And then they've resurrected pioneers TV division for extremely cheap TVs that will be pioneer branded. Like they're just going to be the cheapest, like budget 43, 50 inch TVs you can buy. Which is extremely sad. Like, I'm probably, nobody remembers this. Pioneer Kuro plasma TVs were the best TVs on the market for like five years. I still have one upstairs. It is so hot. <laughs> like, it's gigantic. Like, the lights dim when you turn it on, but it's still like the best TV. You just roast marshmallows next to it. I know people who are like never gonna get rid of their Kuro. Do you, do you leave it off and you only turn it on for like special occasions? Yeah, I'm like, what's the crispest 1080p content I can watch today? Time to boot up the Kuro. Um, but anyway, the zombie pioneer brand returning made me and Chris Welch very sad because we were we were Kuro stands. Do you want to talk about Luna, Dieter? I mean, Amazon's still trying to make its uh, you know streaming game platform happen, and their solution to increasing its popularity is offering you 14 different ways to subscribe to it, all of which have different names and prices. <laughs> I think you'll just you, if you like click a, like a white area on Amazon's website, you will be subscribed to Luna. I don't know. I mean, uh, it's hard for me to work up a lot of emotion one way or the other about it, uh, simply because like 
you know, they're, they're doing better than Stadia, maybe? Dot, 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 which I is, feel like, like that's the whole plan here, right? Like, they just don't care if we, we work a promotion. They're like, look, if you've got a Fire TV and you really want to play an Ubisoft game and you haven't been, like, able to get a PS5, sure, we could do it. It won't be a great experience, but you got it. Amazon knows that if it can turn something into a commodity, it can make money off of it and it can keep other companies from making money off of it. So it's just like, what if we also made game streaming a commodity that like wasn't a differentiator for anybody? It was just like a thing. Uh, and that's what I feel like the reason for Luna actually is. I do say I watch the subreddits for those two just because I'm fascinated. Mm -hmm. And the Luna subreddit has, I think, like 6,000 people on it. And the Stadia one has like 30,000. And it's the same four guys, 30,000 guys, excuse me, in the airport with a beer on top of their laptop and their controller saying, wow, cloud gaming is here. <laughs> it's interesting the new Fire TV stick has a low latency mode for Luna. Like, they're doing the things. They're integrating the things. But once you have that many prices and ways to sign up, it really is just like you're hoping you'd catch people. Like no one's thinking like I, I should sign up for Luna and they search for it and they look at all the choices and they make a decision. It's more like you're walking down the street and then you're acquired by the Amazon Luna team. That's like, now nah, you pay this much money and they've like optimized it for that capture. It's it's literally the, the candy bars by the checkout. They're just yeah. like there and you're yeah. like, oh, yeah, look at that. Sure. Why not? Yeah. Other stuff. Dieter, I know you're you're pressed about this. The Gmail app now takes phone calls, which honestly I'm pressed <laughs> about too. I need fewer things to ring. The the thing about Gmail taking calls, everyone's like, but, the, but Meet's already built in, and I don't understand. And it's like, no, 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 it will ring like. Ring, 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 banana phone, ring. <laughs> why? Which is, why? Because Gmail is no longer an email app, is why. Gmail is now the Google communication app app. No. Gmail is their messaging strategy. Yes. No. It has chat. It has spaces, which is the new uh, word for rooms, and it has meet. And so all of those other standalone apps are going to continue to exist for a while, who knows how long? I would imagine not that long because this ringing feature is coming to Gmail before it actually comes to Meet, which is amazing. Yeah, no, Gmail is now Outlook, where Microsoft made Outlook like email plus calendar plus like some contact stuff. And like they, that was that's their paradigm for what that app means. It's more than just email. That's what Google has done with Gmail, but for their like enterprise communication stuff. When do they do circles? Oh, man. I Bring mean, it back. It's still existing, sort of. Yeah, somewhere. and they're also redesigning the website in the coming months uh, for Gmail, and so there'll be like uh, tabs for all that stuff on the left, and you'll have to go hunting for checkboxes if you want to turn them off again. And I mean, look, how long have we been like G Google? What is your strategy for messaging apps? Are you actually do you actually know what you're doing? Well, guess what? They do, and this is it. Or they don't. <laughs> It's like, be careful what you wish for. Gmail can ring now. That sounds like my worst nightmare is like trying to respond to a work email and someone calling me in my yeah. email. Yes. I feel like somebody needs to just script it to just automatically call. I get like nuclear angry when people send me fake calendar spam mm. and I've like <laughs> yeah. managed to avoid most of it. it. Like just the idea that like someone can call my, oof. I'm going to turn it off. What is Will there be a phone number? It's not going to be like Google Voice. No, it's it's like a, it's like it's like a Google Meet thing. So you can you you can like ring somebody, just like you could like call somebody on Skype. You know. Okay. Um, okay. You know, it's like think of it like a huddle, but more annoying. 
like a slack huddle, but more annoying. Amazing. Ooh. What is this monitor that they made? Oh, so in addition to that, they are letting third-party hardware companies to cosplay as Google and make hardware that looks like Google hardware, um, <laughs> which sounds really mean. So the company that's making these uh, these two displays, one is like a giant Jamboard thing and one is like a 27-inch monitor. It's called Avacore. They look very Googly. They got like the soft, you know, white speaker fabric and whatever. Um, and they are Chrome OS devices that are just there to run Google Meet. But you can also use them as a monitor by plugging your laptop into it. Uh, so just like we were excited by this Logitech dock, this thing is like, oh, it's like the perfect work-from-home device. It, like, it actually has like good microphones and a good webcam and good speakers, and it serves as a monitor. And I can plug one cable into my laptop, and all of a sudden, it's like my laptop is charging and working with this thing. And it sounds really great, except it's $2,000 because it's not meant for that. It's meant to like go sit in a meeting room or sit at like a, uh, like a hotel desk, like, you know, the, the shared yeah. desks that are happening now in, in COVID land when people go back to the office. It's meant for that, but it looks okay. cute. It does look cool. Couldn't they, they just made one that was like $300. I mean, you know, like take out the processor. I don't know. I it, just, no, like, it has a it has a, a TPU, a Google Tensor Tensor processor. Uh, you know. <laughs> they needed an entire custom AI chip to run Meet on Chrome. Well, it's, so you could say <laughs> you could say, "Hey, I'm going to add it and to do stuff." Oh. Well, it's also got an Intel Core i five. Well, that's because like, it has to run Chrome OS. It's not a full Chrome OS device, though. It's not an all in one. You can't like boot up Chrome and do stuff on it. It's just they use Chrome OS to run their Meet stations. So it's the world's biggest Electron app. Well. Uh, kinda, yeah. I mean, you know, you know what's gonna happen though. These are like probably gonna get converted to Fuchsia someday, and then that's gonna be a whole new cycle. It'll be very exciting. All I'm saying, Alex, is do you know what can routinely overwhelm an Intel Core i5? Google Meet. <laughs> Have you ever wanted to see an Intel Core i5 get so hot you can see it from space? You should try Google Meet. Yep. I'm, I have one Meet meeting a week, and it's just like. My entire computer like lights on fire. Well, like put put like a can of beans on a, top of it, and then you've got like a can got lunch. Of beans. <laughs> Hang on, Chili, I'm, I don't know. I'm hungry. I gotta take this call. Oh, can right. of beans, Alex. What's going on with Twitter? What are they doing with these communities? Things. Uh, Twitter is going to start looking a little more like Reddit, or I guess you could say Facebook groups depending on how people use these. But yeah, they rolled out this week uh, a group messaging, tweeting, posting product called Communities. And it's invite only to start, but the idea is that you're not just going to be tweeting to your followers, you're going to be tweeting to people who are part of uh, the same community. So they launched with a handful of communities. One is about dogs, the other is for sneakerheads. So you kind of get an idea for where they're going, but obviously this has the potential to be used and abused in all kinds of horrific and also wonderful ways. So, um, yeah, an interesting evolution for Twitter. It's, you know, they, they've always had a problem where new people who come to Twitter, it's, it's very difficult to try to figure out how to get a lot out of Twitter. I mean, I, like where we probably all take it all for granted cause we curate our timelines, but you know, Twitter's not, easy to figure out if you're new to the service. So if they can, if you can follow some topics and they can suggest some communities for you to join, and then you feel like you have a little more context to, to Twitter, then maybe that's going to help them retain users, which uh, they have historically not been very good at. The community thing is interesting. You tweet to like just a small group of people, like, I don't know, it's NFL season. And like every NFL season, I irritate lots of people with football tweets. I could see it. Like, I'm just going to like 
organize it that way. But it's also still not your followers. It's like a different, it's a very different way of thinking about what Twitter is and how it should work and who you should reach there. It kind of feels very Tumblr. Tumblr. I know we've all forgotten about Tumblr, but but Tumblr was the same thing, where it was like you're just kind of like tumbling off into the, the sphere, but then you kind of found your little, the, the communities, right? God, I miss Tumblr. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it still exists. Yeah. There's three of us on there. And there's going to be moderators, you know, that right now Twitter is approving moderators, but eventually, you know, you'll be able to become the moderator of your own. We could have a Verge cast community. For some reason, you know, um, we should actually have a Vergecast community. How do you get approved? You have to apply online right now, and Twitter is reaching out to people they think are a good fit. I think they're going to open it up over time, but if their history of opening up verification is any indication <laughs> of uh, that, then it's going to be in like five years. Yeah, no, they'll open it up. They'll realize it's broken. They'll close it again. Right. They'll tell us they're going to fix it. They'll open it up again. They'll close it. That's it'll, that's how it's going to work. But I mean, Twitter—they're doing interesting stuff with the product. I mean, for the in the last like year or so, and I know we had Cave on the head of product on Decoder talking about Spaces, their their clubhouse uh, competitor. I can kind of start to see all these pieces working together, right? Like I'm in a community, I have a space in there, right? That's, you know, specific to that community. Maybe, uh, you know, the super follow, the paywalled tweets, there's an element of that in there where you could pay to have access to a community. It's starting to get interesting. Twitter, you know, after kind of languishing and, you know, and what it has always been for a long time is finally starting to reinvent itself, which which is a good thing. Yeah, you know, it's actually the most interesting thing about this, community's announcement besides the actual product is that Twitter is now putting out marketing material that is like trailers for features. So they've got this thing that's like, here's how it works. And it's like testing now in Twitter. And then like <laughs> yesterday they did what like edge to edge tweets or last week they did edge to edge tweets. Yeah. And they, they rolled out the same kind of like marketing collateral where they're like, here's how it works. And it was like animated and they're like now testing on Twitter edge to edge photos in your tweets. And it's like, they never talked about this stuff that way. They, they weren't trying to hype cycle their own feature advancements. Now, like, that implies they have a plan. They know what's happening. They know what their roadmap is. They're telling it to other people. Like, Twitter before, when they would, like, roll out features, like, half of Twitter would be like, why did we do that? <laughs> and now they're like, at least some people know. I think it's, it's part of them having a plan. It's also their feet are being held to the fire a little more. They had a big analyst day earlier this year and they're projecting big, you know, growth numbers. Uh, the stock has been not doing well since the company went public. Um, Jack almost got kicked out of the company, Jack Dorsey by an activist investor recently. So I think they got a little shook by that and they realized they need to actually like ship stuff and evolve the product. And, I think communities is a good step. I think, yeah, like I said, it could be kind of horrific, but I think it could also give, uh, as our friend Casey Newton wrote, you know, more context to Twitter for people who struggle to find that. And it, it is hard to, to find that. Yeah. it's a, We'll see, you know, one of the, when you say it's horrific, it's like, what are you thinking about? You're thinking about, are people going to make white supremacy communities or anti-vax misinformation <laughs> communities or like whatever. One thing we've noticed about those places is that those folks want to hit a big audience. They're not in love with talking to themselves. Like this is the story of parlor and gab and whatever else. Like they're mad on parlor that they're not on Twitter. Right. And like, we'll I think that dynamic as we've talked about social networks and how they're moderated and like where these communities read, like spring up, we haven't seen it play out on Twitter with this kind of gating 
and I'm I'm honestly curious if the incentives to gate that stuff are high versus trying to reach everyone the way that on Twitter right now the goal is to reach it. Like if Donald Trump is allowed back on Twitter, is he going to make the Trump community and only tweet to Trump people or does he want everyone? And I right. like he wants everyone. Right. What if there's a check multiple boxes to your followers and to your community? <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. And when you're in a community, only, you know, members can like and reply to things. But they that doesn't mean that they can't necessarily that people who aren't in a community can't see something that was posted into a community. So this is this is the dystopian future. Is they're going to they're going to make the hashtags that like, you know, get you your tweet into a community instead of to all your followers, not counting against a character limit. And then we're going to live in Instagram land where the bottom of every tweet is going to have 50 hashtags on it. Hell yeah. Is it ha- it's not hashtag gated, right? It's you actually select. You yeah. select. And, you know, something something Twitter called out that I think is actually probably it's one of the more compelling aspects of this is they're going to go for location based communities as well, which is like, hello, next door, which just recently filed to go public, like be scared. So like I'm, you know, my little pocket of LA could have a community and I think that could be pretty compelling. And it also gives Twitter very valuable context to actually make money for once with uh, ads that are, that are actually targeted. So that's interesting. Yeah, man. I do not want to know what my neighbors are tweeting about. I just, (laughs) Like the the experience of living in New York City and using Twitter is very different from the experience of living anywhere else and using Twitter. Like the New York <laughs> media like is Twitter in like a very real way. Like there was entire Twitter drama the other day about the cops chasing down a graffiti artist in Greenpoint, Brooklyn. And it's just like very and they like overdid like brought in a helicopter and this guy had drawn like a Mario uh question mark box in a water tower, which is sick. The cops should have paid him, not arrested. But like cool. they overdid it. But like my little slice of New York Twitter was all over this. And like it, you leave anywhere else and you're like, oh, Twitter is still kind of run by like a New York mafia. Is it or is that our echo chamber? And when we have communities, we will know that for sure that, oh, no, actually, this is just people that are in this one. I mean, they're definitely like other communities on Twitter. Like, I I keep thinking back to the Tumblr stuff, but like Tumblr died and you've seen all of those fandoms and stuff, you know, the the K-pop fandoms and everything else moving to Twitter. And this is a big, like, this could be pretty big for them. Tumblr died so communities could live. Oh my God. Yeah. They should just rename this product Filter Bubbles. (laughs) Echo Chambers, Filter Bubbles. Echo Chambers would be good. All right, Dieter, end us with This Week in Lock-In. This Week in Lock-In, if you remember Microsoft's MSN portal network <laughs> thing Old still school. exists. Uh, they're renaming it. It's now called Microsoft Start. Not the Start menu. It's Microsoft Start, which could maybe appear in like different places on in Windows 11. Uh, and also just on if you happen to accidentally go to MicrosoftStart.com. Don't know why you would, uh, but you could. But it's like it's their product for like showing you like headlines and the weather and stock and whatever. That's what it's been boiled down to at this point. The reason that we're featuring uh, Microsoft Start and This Week in Lock-In is just a reminder that in Windows 11, currently, they are not respecting your browser choices when you click on certain things, and it's taking you to Edge, even though you like might actually want to click that link about whatever Justin Bieber and read it in Firefox or Chrome or something else. And uh, it's unclear what the plan is for them to actually make Windows 11 respect your browser choices and open up just a little bit more. And my hunch is that they're not going to, especially for stuff like this, like Microsoft Start. This has been This Week in Lock-In.
that all sounds fine and horrible. It turns. You know what's really funny about MSN is that they've now rebranded it to start. Yeah. But MSNBC exists. Yeah. Which was a launched in partnership with Microsoft. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The Microsoft News Network. Yeah. And uh, they now they're just stuck with that branding. It means like Microsoft has nothing to do with it. Yeah. Just be careful what you wish for with your partnership with big tech companies. Be careful with your branding. The Start Network. How do we get a cable network? I, I, All right. Well, if you, you know, want that? we wait long enough and they get cheaper. <laughs> yeah. Mm. yeah. Very excited to buy the Motor Trend Network when it when it comes for sale. Okay. Yeah. That's it. We did all the things. Next week is an Apple event. That's on Tuesday. Uh, Decoder will be one day late because I don't want to drop a decoder on Apple event day. It seems like it makes sense. Uh, but that's going to be a good one. It's an Olivia Rodrigo episode. Ooh. It's, well, it's a copyright episode. But I found a cool hook to finally do a copyright episode. Uh, so that's Decoder. And then obviously we'll have a full-on Apple-focused Vergecast at the end of next week. You can tweet at us. Alex is Alex E. Heath. Alex is Alex H. Kranz. Dieter is back on. I'm at Reckless. We love hearing from you. Please, again, if you're a Whoop fan, Kranz is dying to hear from you. No, no, it's Alex E. Heath. If you're a Whoop fan, send it to Alex E. Heath, not Alex H. Kranz. Two other things I want to call out. In the background of all of this this week is the Theranos trial, yeah. Elizabeth Holmes, the blood testing device. Liz Lopato is there. You should Speaking of Twitter, you should be following her on Twitter because her trial tweets are amazing, as always, and she's covering that trial start to finish. So that is very exciting. Pay attention to that. And one more thing, last thing. Next week starts a special Vergecast miniseries on AI hosted mm. by Ashley Carmen, which I think will be very, very exciting. So that's all coming up next week. But this week is over. That's it. That's Vergecast. Rock and roll. Get a vaccine. Thanks to Canva for their support. Canva wants to make your presentations come as easy as those thoughts that pass through your head. And thanks to their AI, you can start with a simple prompt and watch Canva go to work. Choose your favorite style, customize the content, and you're done. It's a serious time saver. Whatever you do for work, Canva presentations can give you a head start on your deck. You can generate sales presentations, marketing decks, HR onboarding plans, you name it. Finish your deck faster. Generate slides in seconds with Canva presentations at canva.com. Designed for work.